the author who came to tea. Our fabulous guest, author, poet and spoken word writer has performed all across the world, from Sheppey to Shanghai, from the Savoy Hotel to street corners. Even in a living room made entirely out of paper. He has dreamt of writing a book since the age of five and succeeded in 2017 when he released his debut, The Dictionary of Dads. It took him 40 years, but he sure did it. His new book, The Magic of Mums, is out on February the 6th. It is, as always, available at Jackson Diego Story Emporium. Welcome, Justin Coe. How do you like your tea? Well, thank you very much. Thank you, Shana. Thank you, Grace. I, I, well, I've already started pouring the tea. I've, I've put the milk in first. Now, I don't know why. I only do that when there's a teapot of tea. Otherwise, I just, I just, you know, boil, boil the kettle, and just pour it, pour it into the tea bag, and then add the milk later. Because I don't like very much milk. It's very important. I can't drink it if there's too much milk. And I might have already. And now I'm, I'm looking at this suspiciously because I'm thinking I've poured too much milk here, in there. But um, let's have a, let's have a look. Look, Jackie's there. She's pouring. Lovely. Thank you, Jackie. You get this sort of service at Jackson Diego. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. So, you, and you, uh, Shana, you put, you put the milk in after, do you? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's the best way to do it. But mine is fine, it's just the right colour. So it's great. It's my third cup this morning. <laughs> <laughs> it has to be right. A, th a first cup I can probably... A first, a first cup is like a first cup. I, I can drink anything, but by the third cup it has to be exactly right. Do you like biscuits or cake more? Um, biscuits, probably. I think I'm a biscuit person. Yeah. Tasty. What's your favourite biscuit? Obviously the custard cream. The custard cream. We're staring at them now. <laughs> In a fight between the, there's there's bourbons and there's custard creams, but I think for me, yeah, the custard cream every time. So as kids, we would probably spend money on toys, games, and like food, like specifically cakes and tea. Like, you know, <laughs> needed. Uh, but when you got your first paycheck from the Dean Town Football Club on, from reporting on their games, what did you spend it on? Oh, gosh, it was such a long time ago. Um, maybe. So I was about 17 and... Or 16 or 17. Um, and, yeah, I, I, I got £10 for reporting on Deal Town. I think I did about three games... I think one of them was against Chatham and one of them might have been against the Kent Police, I can't remember, but um, yeah, um, and um, I, I started that job um, because I, I was um, writing, I was in a cycling club and I became the press officer for the cycling club because I didn't have, there was only about 10 people in the cycling club and they didn't have a uh, press officer or, or anything, so um, I, I, I was really enthusiastic about cycling I was really enthusiastic about writing as well so um, uh, I, I used to write reports every week and and send them off to the newspaper and uh, I didn't get paid for them I just enjoyed writing it and there was a, there was a guy called um, Mike Stevenson uh, who was quite good he was quite good at cycling occasionally came third in the, in the events in the county events but I, uh, I, I had to try and make turn him into a, a kind of like Bradley Wiggins of his day to make the reports more exciting. <laughs> so that's, so uh, yeah, I got, I, I kind of um, overemphasized his achievements a bit and they became a sort of back, 
the, of the East Kent Mercury, he came as sort of a, a, a back page hero. Uh, <laughs> and uh, they obviously liked the, the writing that I did, so they asked me if, if um, when the main sports reporter was um, was otherwise engaged at the, the, the better club, Dover Athletic, uh, whether I could come and report on Deal Town. So I did a few games, and I got paid £10 for it. Was, I think it was quite a lot of money, really. In those days, and uh, I, I have no idea. The reason why I'm giving you this waffly answer is I have no idea what I spent it on, but I think it probably it might have been a record because in those days I'd like I had a, a little you know um, turntable uh, <laughs> back in the day, you know, and there was a yeah a bit of vinyl. I wasn't a real sort of vinyl nerd, if you like, but I I used to buy the odd record, yeah. Probably been something like Depeche Mode or something. I don't know. Oh my god, that's really funny. Oh, yeah. My mum is like obsessed with the Depeche Mode. Yeah. Um. Anyway, you must have been very focused to get where you are now. But on your website, it says that you found it hard to concentrate in school. What advice would you give to younger listeners who are finding it hard to focus on their best interests? Well, I think I think this is the thing. Actually, it's more about um, focusing on the. Th- Thing that you you find easiest to focus on sometimes, yeah, or the thing that excites you, or the thing that that you're passionate about, and that kind of passion, if, if you're lucky enough to have that, will help you concentrate, yeah, because you're excited by by something. So I was excited by 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 writing, I suppose, in my own way, and I, I quite liked. Sports and I was quite into, I was sort of cycling a bit into football, yeah, a bit, a bit into music. So, you know, I think if you if you if you can focus on the things that really um, that you're really passionate at, um, then you're then you're going you're going to be able to concentrate better. Yeah, I mean, I think I struggled when when it was things that I wasn't interested in, but I I, th- I think poetry for me was was a great find because it was um, it was a way of me being able to express myself. Um, but also through poetry, I found over the years, um, by by writing poems about different things, I've 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 learned about those things much better than I learned about them at school. Um, so, yeah, I mean, for instance, I wrote a poem in my new book about elephants. <laughs> I wasn't particularly interested in elephants when I was a child, but um, but actually having to write a poem about them is, is you know helps to concentrate the mind. And I learned lots about elephants. Elephants are really cool animals. They are cool, yeah. I didn't know 22 months it takes for for um, a mother elephant to produce a baby elephant. I think it's pregnant for 22 months, which I think is the longest ever pregnancy in the animal kingdom, I believe, as far as I know. Yeah. That's double a human pregnancy. <laughs> yeah, more than more. Yeah. yeah, it's quite a, quite a thing, isn't it? Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, was so you have your new book coming out soon, um, called The Magic of Mums. Um, did you find the Dictionary of Dads easier to write, as you are a dad, or The Magic of Mums because you could imagine more things? Well, yeah, I think this is going back to what we were saying earlier about kind of engaging with your passions and also what's happening with you in the moment. So I started writing the Dictionary of Dads when my daughter. Joss was my first child, and I've got three children. But um, when she was uh, first born, and um, 
And that was about, well, we didn't even know that's about 11 or 12 years ago because Grace, how old are you? I'm 11. So you're 11 and you're in the same school and the same <laughs> yeah. class as my daughter Joss. <laughs> yeah. Which is cool. Um, and um, so, yeah, that's when I started. So I started right, thinking about the Dictionary of Dads about, kind of about 11 years ago. And, um, um, yeah, it was just really, I didn't, I, I didn't write it all in one go. I just wrote lots of different poems about being a dad and it was just really kind of engaging what was happening to me at that moment um but the magic of mums was different because the dictionary dads went quite well so they said can you write another book and i gave them a long i gave the the, the lovely publishers Otterbury, uh, uh kind of a list of ideas of books that i wanted to write next and they they basically said no we don't want you to write those <laughs> we want you to write and we want you to write a follow-up to the dads we want you to write the magic and mums and i and i said well i'm not, I'm not sure if i'm quite the person to do that because i'm not a mum um but i think they just thought it would be a good idea for me to like create a series i suppose of books um so as they weren't interested in the other ideas, I said yes. Okay, then <laughs> I will do that because I like I like writing books. Um, so yeah, so it took me. It was probably like a year to write most of the poems, and then probably another year to kind of edit and decide which ones we were going to use. So it was about two. Oh yeah, it, it probably took me as long to write this book as it as it takes for an elephant to have a baby. <laughs> <laughs> Out of your books, what dad or mum would you compare yourself to? Um, well, the uh, daddy disaster, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> daddy disaster in the in the um, in the dad's book. That's definitely me. I'm afraid it's kind of a dedicated dad, but is a total liability around the house. That's. Um, but I think you know maybe there's a bit of there's a bit of my dad in some of these dads, and there's a bit of me in in maybe all of them to some extent. Um, Obviously, some of it is just some of them are, are more sort of observing um, or imagining, you know, what different situations or, or observing different dads, um, and that's more the case, I suppose, in the Magic of Mums as well. I'm just flicking through. I've got a copy of the Magic of Mums. I might be the only, maybe the only person at the moment who's got a copy. Of <laughs> Special. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, there's a poem here I just opened up. It's called Mama Opera. Who likes to sing all the time? I'm not. I, I can't. I haven't got a very good voice, but um, she's quite annoying. So that's <laughs> when I sing. I'm quite annoying. So that's a <laughs> that's um, that that's a bit of me there. Definitely not keep fit, Mum. I'm not that anymore. Um, yeah, there's a lot of. I suppose there's a lot of just observing um, what what happens in our house as well in terms of of sort of parenting general and. Um, there's a lot of sort of stressed out mums. That might be my wife's influence there. <laughs> she has a lot to cope with. As you write, um, as you write many spoken word shows and perform them, do you prefer to um, like perform inside or outside? <laughs> inside, probably. Yeah. My my smallest audience. Um, was outside and I was uh, I played to um in his a park called uh, I think it was Hoffman Park in Bognor Regis and uh, I was on the bandstand there which is like years ago 
and uh, basically nobody turned up <laughs> and then eventually we started we just, we just started anyway it was, it was with a few other people we just started performing to ourselves and then and then um two old people turned up in their motorized wheelchair buggies <laughs> and just went beep, beep, <laughs> the end of the poem so that was and it was always adventurous to to perform outside anywhere you know it's, it's always something goes wrong i did a, i did a show um uh one of my theatre shows spoken my theatre shows called a big well small wonder did about four or five years ago and um the the venue i turned up in were, were like determined that i did it outside and i hadn't rehearsed it for outside <laughs> so uh, i said okay then let's, let's let's just do that and it was a really really hot day and uh it was so hot that it basically broke my ipod <laughs> so that i had music playing in the background and it stopped so i had to do the whole show without music and oh, wow. uh which was a little bit yeah a little bit disappointing to be honest but it was uh, but you know um it, it's always fun <laughs> i mean i mean i like the randomness of it outside you know anything can happen but um but yeah indoors is safer <laughs> unless it's in i do a lot of school halls after i don't like performing after lunch when you can still smell the cabbage I'm not oh, keen on that. School no. cabbage is yeah. the worst. Yeah, yeah. Nobody likes school cabbage. And the smell of the leftovers is not mm. pleasant. Especially mashed potato. Mashed potato <laughs> is <laughs> one of the worst. Cool. Yeah, it's like one of the worst things. Yeah. It's just. And here comes that staple question: What books influence you in writing your shows, poems, or just in general life? Oh right. Well, so. Um, that's a good question. So, what books have influenced me? Um, I think the first. Well, it's not just book because poetry is. I think is a. It's it's the spoken word. It's an oral tradition, really. And it's only in the last two hundred years or so that the poems have uh, have been. I'm looking at Jackie to check my facts. Uh, <laughs> the, the poems have really been kind of written down and and printed in books and read uh, the last few hundred years, isn't it? Really. Would you say, Jackie? She's a professor. <laughs> but basically, um, over 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 centuries, over centuries, people have told poems um, orally um, to help communities remember things or celebrate things. Um, so yeah, the first poems that influenced me and still influence me today, nursery rhymes. My my dad told me some nursery rhymes, and my mum might have told me some nursery rhymes, <laughs> and uh, I still more or less remember them. And uh, sometimes with poetry, especially working poetry for younger children, you can they remember nursery rhymes too, and you can kind of change the words a little bit, um, and um, and have fun with that. So there's one. I mean, there's one in the dictionary of dads um, that is um, a nursery rhyme. It's called Nursery Rhyme, Dad. Shall I read that to you? Mm -hmm, yeah. So uh, it goes, Hey, diddle, doddle, Dad is in trouble. The dog has been sick in the jelly. The baby's distressed, the house is a mess, and the kids have run off with the telly. <laughs> um, yeah, so you can... Yeah, nursery Rhymes have influenced me. Um, my favourite book... Are you going to ask me that later, but my favourite book is... But one of my first favourite books is um, was Mr Bump. Because, you know, before I was a daddy disaster, I was just a disaster. It's like, I was master disaster. <laughs> so I used to, like, fall over and break things all the time and get blamed for things. So my first hero was Mr Bump. He was my first literary hero, you know. He, he, I recognised uh, myself in, in that kind of blue 
round figure with lots of bandages <laughs> around it. So uh, that's the that was the power of literature. And then um, and I didn't read a lot when I was when I was a child because as as I said, I did have a few problems. I concentrating a few problems um, with reading, but I read I read a few things. I read, read a good bit of bit of Ina Blyton. Um, and a book that I really first remember reading was called Goalkeepers Are Different by Brian Glanville and um, I really liked that because it was just about at the time I was a, I was I was supporting Liverpool because they were really good and uh, <laughs> it was about a Liverpool goalkeeper so again it's about if you have problems with reading whatever it's about finding the right book that interests you or, or you know is uh, speaks to you at that moment yeah. so uh, uh, I'm not sure I've answered the question have I I just talked about the first few books that I I encountered um, that influenced me but then later of course I we did a bit of poetry at school um, quite liked the idea of Shakespeare I found it quite difficult in places but I liked the idea of of words that are there to be performed and, and are powerful and moving quite liked a bit of uh, Wilfred Owen um, and the First World War Poets and the power behind that language. Um, quite like the, we did the plays of Arthur Miller, a play called The Crucible, which was really good. Um, so I liked, I was always interested in kind of plays and theatre, more so than novels probably. Um, my dad read me The Wind in the Willows, remember that? Um, and, um, yeah, and then... Some of the poetry, I st and even now, I still find difficult to access. Um, but then I came across the contemporary spoken word poets like Benjamin Zephaniah and Attila the Stockbroker and people like that that I actually saw live when, when I was in my 20s. And those, uh, those people showed me that, that it was possible to, for anybody to write poetry and for poetry to be enjoyed. Yeah. Um, what do you think is the worst thing to happen to you because of your clumsiness? Um, I was very excited to um, see that the, these days cycling's on the telly all the time. But I was really into cycling. It was very rarely on the telly when I was a kid growing up. And then I was very excited that the Tour de France was about to start on Channel 4 <laughs> at half past six with Richard Keyes, something like that. Not that excited about Richard Keyes, to be honest. But anyway, the cycling was on, <laughs> and we had this sort of plate glass window and uh, door. It was a door with a, with a plate glass in it, and uh, and I just I just walked through it <laughs> and uh, smashed my fingers. So that was that was one of the things. <laughs> Um, yeah. um, but there's just so so many accidents. I can't really, you know, it's just sort of an everyday occurrence. Really, it doesn't what seem happens? remarkable to me. I'm surprised that I haven't spilled my tea. <laughs> <laughs> the worst accident that happened to me was one time I tripped like over this rock, and I think I dislocated my chin. Yeah, oh that God. really hurt. Yeah, but I didn't realise I had done it because I, I, there was like just a scratch on my knee, and then. I looked up and there was so much blood on me and I was like, where is this coming from? Yeah, and then yeah. I looked in the mirror and I was like, okay, I've done something to my chin. Oh my God. For viewers interested in Justin's shows, he has a new one on called The House That Jackson Built. 
It will be starting on Friday the 21st and Saturday the 22nd of February. It's at the Half Moon Theatre in Limehouse and it is then touring. Thank you. You said on your website that you've performed like here, there and everywhere. What's the most unusual place you've performed? Um, well, I think you mentioned them. Um, I work with these people called... Um, I think they're called Animate Arts, and they make wonderful um, objects. Um, and they made, um, in the middle of a shopping centre, they made a sitting room uh, entirely out of newspaper. Um, so I sat there in the middle of the shopping centre on this <laughs> sofa made of newspaper uh, and just read my poems randomly to people who came by, and we made up some poems and stuff with everyone. So that was... Um, that was pretty random. Um, yeah, just, yeah, that's, that, that, that's the most random. What was the question again? I've oh, got a short-term um, memory problem, I can't remember. <laughs> um, what's the most unusual <laughs> Even place? though I answered it. <laughs> what's the most unusual place you've performed? <laughs> the most unusual place I've performed. Yeah, well, the, then there was the bandstand. Um, <laughs> that was exciting. Um, unusual place. Um, street corner, street corner in Eastbourne. That was quite unusual. Um, I performed outside um, Brighton Beach once, and my first review was given to me by the now Prime Minister Boris Johnson. I know that Boris Johnson did reviews. Well, he was writing a newspaper column for the Telegraph at the time. Now, see, I it was the Labour Party conference, nineteen ninety-seven, and. Um, the Labour Party had come in after many years of the Conservative Party being in power. Um, but I was very much involved in this, I was involved a little bit in this campaign for free education. So um, we wanted education to be completely free. And the, the Labour Party, though, though, though they said education, 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 they were still going to be, I think, charging, charging students. Um, uh, for their for their grants, so I thought I'd go down and read this poem out <laughs> uh, to uh, outside the Labour Party conference, uh, trying to champion free education. So I just turned up with my piece of paper and read it out to the beach because no one else was listening. <laughs> but uh, what I didn't know was there was a man standing there, a scruffy kind of individual, uh, <laughs> in his long coat, scribbling everything everything I said down. And then the next day, uh, I happened to come across a copy of the Daily Telegraph and in his regular column there, Boris Johnson uh, badly paraphrased my poem. Um, and then wrote me off as a called me a rap poet, and uh, said uh, and then and then sort of wrote me off as a, a middle class member of the Socialist Worker Party. Uh, so that was <laughs> that was my review from Boris Johnson wow. there. Um, I, I don't have a copy of that, but I'd really like to have a copy now. He's Prime Minister. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't favourable. I've had you know better reviews since. <laughs> <laughs> we interviewed Ellie Irving she said that she'd worked on a TV show with Handy Andy wow. can you talk that? No Not <laughs> <laughs> Boris Johnson oh, yeah, well, yeah but I didn't work on a TV show with him uh, <laughs> just stood outside on, uh, on the beach and shouted a poem but you know that's quite cool I think uh, like, yeah. have you ever co collaborated with someone 
Um, probably. I mean, I, 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 I think my whole sort of career as such, if you call it that, is um, is a bit of collaboration, really. Because obviously, as a poet, you're, you, you know, you need that sort of quiet time where you write down the things that you want to say and, you know, spend time playing with words in your own head. But a lot of the other stuff I do is about collaboration, especially the spoken word theatre stuff. So, I, I mean, I'm writing a, a new show at the moment and um, and I've got... But I've got a an editor there um, to help me um, to get that show into shape and to try out ideas with. Um, I working with a director who directs me and working with musicians who are going to provide the soundtrack. So um, a lot of, um, yeah, some, some of what I do is, just, I suppose, an individual thing, but it's all a collaboration. Um, Steve Wells collaborated on, on my book because he wrote, he did the illustration. Um, I can't think of any famous, you know, the people that you would... No, but I'm sure. I'm sure that um, I may have done. <laughs> uh, yeah, but Handy, who's Handy Andy? I think. Well, we so, only found out who Handy Andy was last week. <laughs> and there was this video where Handy Andy makes this bookshelf, and it was like for the show Neighbours or something. Okay. And um, he. He builds this like floating bookcase and he puts this person's like teapot collection. They're like antique teapots, so they're really expensive teapots. Wow. And they come back the next morning and, and the floating bookcase is falling down. So like <laughs> all of the teapots are smashed. Oh, great. And he's just like this. He's not very handy then. Like, no. He's there to like make stuff because he's meant to be like the carpenter, I think. Yeah, yeah. So, like the show because it's meant to be like. You switch houses and then you have like a weekend to like refurbish that other person's house. Yeah. <laughs> but like he's meant to make all of the like new shelves and desks and everything. Yeah. But, like it's he also, very had, he also tried his hand at music and had like a number one single Ooh. that was called I If I Had a Hammer. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which was, was him. That Pete Seeger original thing. Originally written by Pete Seeger, I think. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wow. Amazing, yeah. He sounds like my kind of guy, huh? <laughs> <laughs> we get on like a house on fire. Oh, that's right. Talking of houses on fire, I nearly set the house on fire yesterday doing my tax receipts. <laughs> How did you do that? Well, I, I, I didn't realise that my wife really likes candles. Mm -hmm. So I was piling up all my receipts. You have to do this, this is the thing you have to do when you you know poets so exciting you have to count up all your all, all the money you haven't made and then also all the um all the receipts that for things that have, have cost money so you can anyway do your books and um so i was piling up all these receipts and i didn't realize but my wife had lit a candle on the table i was doing it and so as the pile of receipts got higher they started to um I thought, oh, that's a funny smell. <laughs> <laughs> and then before my eyes, these flames were licking up. No, my goodness, I never blown her fire out so quick. I blew it up with all my adrenaline. I just, I just blew it out. Apart from one piece of paper, it was still alight, and it was about to attack my computer. And I just <laughs> held it from the other end that wasn't alight, and then. And then just sort of waved it in the air, <laughs> and then I th and then I threw it on the put it down on the carpet, and I somehow got all this other bit of paper, this large bit of paper, and tried to smother it with that. Which was probably a terrible idea, um, but eventually it did work. But then there was this like one receipt was just kind of waxed to the floor. 
Um, but yeah, I was minutes away from, seconds away probably from um, not being here today. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been really bad. Yeah, yeah, so that's, um, yeah, that was one of my accidents, just remembered. But yeah, me and Handy Andy will probably get on. <laughs> when we were scrolling through the internet, we found out that you didn't have a Wikipedia page. It is not disgusting. Um, and we were very shocked by this. You know. <laughs> um, would you like us to try and create one for you? Oh, well, because Ellie would... Irving didn't have one either. No, and did you did you succeed with Ellie Irving? No, no. It was, yeah. Is no. it hard to do? Well, a bit, because you have to find out everything about that person and. Yeah. Know. Well, I mean, I don't know how I feel about this. Really, it's kind of um, I I sort of like the idea. I've been doing this job for sort of twenty or. 20 years um, without, you know, uh, particularly being famous or anything. And I kind of quite like that, <laughs> you know, I like, I like the fact that, um, I like the fact that I can sort of wander about and I think most poets like that anyway, even the really well-known ones, you can just do whatever you want to do and no one's sort of pointing at you in the street going, oh, that's, oh, look, <laughs> it's handy Andy. <laughs> Um, so, you know, but at the same time, um, obviously, if you're going to continue doing this job, you have to be a little bit well-known, otherwise you won't get to sell your books as well. So uh, I certainly wouldn't object if I had a Wikipedia page. But... <laughs> um, would you like to read any of your poems? Um, would you like me to read any of my poems? Yes. Okay, okay. so what, shall I read Daddy Disaster? Yeah. yeah. Because, you know, we've talked quite a lot about that. Um, <laughs> he, he doesn't actually set his house on fire, but he, he sets his hair on fire. <laughs> um, Daddy Disaster. He lives in a house that's all lopsided, where the chores aren't done and the drawers aren't tidied. His car is wrecked and his driving's reckless. His favourite outfit is his breakfast. How did he get to become a father? Ladies and gentlemen, it's Daddy Disaster. The hand he lends is crammed with thumbs. One job to do's too much at once. Who broke the bath? Do you have to ask? Can he fix it? No, he can't. If you want to make a mess, then meet the master. Welcome to the world of Daddy Disaster. Who cut himself on a pencil sharpener? Coloured his face in fluorescent marker? Set his hair on fire with a harmless sparkler? Sat his bottom down on a wet banana? Yes, you must have guessed the answer. Ladies and gentlemen, it's... Daddy, daddy disaster. disaster. There you go. <laughs> so that's my daddy disaster. And then I could, I could maybe just read one from the mum's book. Yeah. As yeah. I was just the only copy in the world. You know. So with the mum's book, um, I don't know. Maybe some of these are funny, but I think they tend to. I think they tend to be quite sort of thoughtful. A lot of the poems in here, I think. I'm think I'm trying to read a maybe a more thoughtful one yeah. called Forever Mum. Yeah. It's all about the fact that, you know, no matter what your mum thinks she is, she's always just your mum, isn't she? <laughs> uh, you can tell me what you used to be. Show me photographs I still won't see. Who that baby was on granny's knee. And the pink-haired punk, just who was she? Because you'll always be a mum to me. You'll always be my mummy. 
You can run away, but you won't get free. Leave house and home and lose the key. Escape to space or sail to sea. But any way you try to flee, you'll always be a mum to me. You'll always be my mummy. You can tell me what you dreamed you'd be. Doctor, dentist, VIP, prime minister, celebrity, chat show hostess on TV. But you'll always be a mum to me. You'll always be my mummy. And as you grow old, who knows maybe, you'll forget the names you chose for me. And when I visit you and bring your tea, you'll smile and ask, just who is he? But still, you'll be a mum to me. You'll always be my mummy. That one's really nice. You'll always be my mummy. <laughs> mum. <laughs> so. Whilst you were reading Daddy Disaster, I realised I have actually cut myself on a pencil sharpener. Have you? Oh. I did it when I was four. Yes. And my um, nan was babysitting me. Yeah. And I, like, I took out this pencil sharpener and I took my pinky and um, I sharpened it. And I took, they couldn't figure out how to get it off. So my nan had to use, like, pliers and it ripped off half of the skin. <laughs> it really was oh, a disaster. Yeah. <laughs> it was a very big disaster. It was really like, yeah, you'd be, like, wandering around with a pencil sharpener yeah. in your life. That was quite... I wouldn't say it's cool, but... Um, It'd be it's interesting. New fashion. Yeah. <laughs> you can always be able to sharpen your pencil. Where are you? Yeah. Very good. So thank you for performing some of your poems. That's okay. Um, um, so I feel I think you've been to both of our schools like quite a few times, um, and you've brought along your guitar. Um, um, what's your favourite song or poem that you'd like to perform on your guitar? Oh, well, I've got a, The thing is, with the guitar, is it was something that I tried to do as a child but wasn't couldn't concentrate on it and wasn't actually very good. So um, I kind of went back to it when I started writing poems and just learned a kind of sim some simple chords, really. So I'm definitely not a musician, but um, I think just like three or four chords, you can... If, if, you, if, you, if you write words, you write poems and they're quite rhythmical, um, sometimes, you know, I, I think, oh, OK, this is a bit more of a song and I'll put a few chords to it. So, um, but I don't write many songs. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm a bit like Mama at Opera. It's a bit embarrassing <laughs> when I sing. So I, I only do a few songs. But the one that I do almost every time I go to school is a song about the difficulties of putting my pants on in the morning. Uh, and I don't know if you've seen that one, but I I, I like that because I get the teachers up um, with a pair, I have a pair of novelty um, bum shorts, I think they're called. So they're sort of like pants at the front with a kind of cheeky bottom uh, at, at the back, and then I get the teachers to put those on over the top of their of their normal wares, and then um, they dance along and sing about how difficult it is to put your pants on in the morning. Particularly with dyspraxic, or you're in front of a load of people, <laughs> which they will be, and then they dance about and then wiggle their bums, and everyone finds that more amusing than the poetry. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, it's always fun. I think you know, po uh, you know, I try to make the things I do as fun as possible because you know, 
Kids just want to have fun, don't they? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, you might not remember the poetry, but you'll definitely remember the bombs. And exactly. hopefully that means that later on you'll remember the poetry. Yes, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And there's a serious message in it as well, which is, you know, again, kind of related to kind of clumsiness and, and trying to get over those things and saying that people, you know, people, people have different skills and they're good at different things. But yeah. Yeah. Justin Coe's books are as always available at the Jackson Diego Story Emporium. And Justin will be at the Jackson Diego Story Emporium on Saturday at the 8th of February for his book launch of The Magic of Mums. Thank you for listening. Keep reading.